Hi, this is Sheldon Ledich. I'm having a great time here with uh, Zach and Dustin on uh, $2 Late Fee. We've talked about Bloodsport, Lionheart, Double Impact, the entire list. Thank you for listening to the show, folks. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats! You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. We close out our month with Sheldon Ledich, the writer of Bloodsport, the director of Lionheart, Double Impact. What a story he has to tell, and he's going to tell it on our show today. Really great guest. As I've said before, sometimes when you have a director come on, you just get a little bit more sides of the story. You get a little bit more of... Uh, kind of where everyone was coming from. Obviously, everyone that's a fan of the movie Bloodsport knows that Frank Dukes was a fraud. Outrageous, right? Exclusive. Oh my goodness. Not really. But Sheldon tackles this with such a beautiful, gentle touch. Um, he also has a book. Sheldon Ledich from Vietnam to Van Damme. Vietnam to Van Damme. It's kind of a lovely alliteration. It's a great story, and you can go to Amazon to order your copy from there. Uh, links are in the show notes. Highly recommended. I read. I'm a reader. And actually, I, I read his book, and uh, it's really good. Only the Strong, he talks about on this podcast. But there are some nuggets that he didn't touch upon that are in the book that are definitely worth picking up to read about. Yeah, everybody should definitely pick it up. Uh, Only the Strong, he directed. He directed that as well. Yep. Very immersed in the martial arts movies that we grew up with. Although Only the Strong, we were a little older as we uh, as we as we discovered. Um, but the the movie that introduced Capoeira uh, to the United States for sure, and gave Mazda its tagline. Oh my goodness! Zoom zoom zoom. Sheldon joined us for a two dollars six question segment as well. That's exclusive to Patreon. Go check that out. Uh, for everyone signed up already, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys sincerely really help keep the lights on in the $2 Lake Fee video store. And for everyone who's been with us since day one, or all the new ones that have just recently joined us, thank you all for listening to the show. You know, we love what we do, but you make it even more enjoyable. All the interaction we have on social media with you, all that good stuff. And we hope that this month has been as joyful for you as it has been for us. We said it in the previous episode, this is like a holiday in many ways. We celebrate the movies we love with performers from the genre that we love. My God, Bloodsport being our 100th episode. Crazy, man. Was crazy. Now this is 102. Dustin didn't think it was possible. It is. And we're going on. Nope. I, I, I joked that when we got to 100, that was going to be it. And um, Zach was going to let me free, set me free. Uh, and if I loved him enough, I would come back. So, but came back in my mind, metaphorically. So this is our last episode of Martial Arts Madness. Thank you guys all so much for uh, taking part in all the good fun. Coming up next month in April. In two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. We are breaking down 
Thrashin'. You guys remember that movie? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Josh Brolin. Hello. And a good friend of the show, Robert Rustler, who will also be joining us two weeks following that. So stay tuned for that. Check out our social media. Sign up to Patreon if you want exclusive insight as to what is coming next. Yes. We got a lot in the pipe. Yep. So uh, stay tuned. All of our patrons have known about this, what I just said, for for weeks now. For weeks. They're laughing. They're laughing like, ha, ha, ha. We knew this for weeks. Uh, all right. We should probably get to the show, I guess. Yeah. Until then, enjoy Sheldon Ledich. Kiai. Kiai. Hey, Sheldon. Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you for coming on our show. You're very welcome. Well, I, we're, we're here to talk about your book. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about I bought that. a copy. I love it. From Vietnam to Van Damme. You read the whole book? Did not read the entire book. You just read <laughs> from, right. from Van Damme to Van Damme. <laughs> yeah. Not the okay. Vietnam part. Well, the reason it's got that title, um, uh, because that's pretty much... Uh, encapsulates my adult life, okay? When I turned 18, I joined the Marine Corps. I turned 19 over in Vietnam, so I was in mm -hmm. Vietnam for a year. And then um, once I got back, and once I started getting involved with screenwriting, a lot of my material had to do with Vietnam. So that's where that was my starting point. Um, you know, they say, write what you know. Well, I, I knew about the Marines in Vietnam, so I was writing about that. And um, and then my uh, career kind of uh, then it picked up speed when I met John Claude uh, through Bloodsport because I wrote the original draft of Bloodsport. So ended up meeting John Claude when he came back to uh, L.A. from Hong Kong. And then uh, that became a good portion of my adult life, too, was writing and directing Van Damme movies. Uh, I believe I have directed more Van Damme movies than anybody else. I directed four of them. And I've been involved with the writing on, um, uh, on a, about a dozen of them. My, my name's not in every one of those credits for various reasons, but yeah. uh, I got quite a few writing credits on the Van Damme movies, uh, you know, Bloodsport and the Limpact, Lionheart, uh, uh, The Order. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm the um, uh, uh, a few art, a few of these interviews and articles have called me the man behind Van Damme. And I don't know if that's accurate, but it's accurate to a degree because, or he's the man behind me, okay? Because we've done so much stuff together. Yeah, he's the man behind you. Uh, well, I don't know. I We we, we, we haven't had Van Damme on yet. Uh, right, right. But, you know, you skirted over the fact that your path to Hollywood was really interesting, you know, from, yeah, being in the military, being in Vietnam, which is a story in itself, uh, right. to writing, you know, making your first short film. Brian... Um... Brian Thompson's in it. Uh, Frank Dukes is mm -hmm. in it. The real Frank Dukes <laughs> is in it. Uh, and we had Philip Ree and Simon Ree. So uh, it's a pretty cool little 20-minute movie. Uh, we're going to be um, premiering it on um, YouTube. Um, it's called Firefight, right? It's called Firefight. And there's a YouTube uh, site called Viking Samurai. And he's done a number of interviews with me and with Frank Dukes and a lot of other people. Um, and I'm giving him the opportunity to premiere it because we've gotten to be good buddies uh, via uh, YouTube. Um, now, uh, we finished, I, I finished the movie 40 years ago. Yeah. And I did hand out 
VHS copies to everybody who worked on the movie, and I had a oh, VHS wow. copy myself. And a VHS, it looked it 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 really uh, uh, took away from the uh, the scope of the film. Yeah. You guys remember what VHS used to look like back in the video. I mean, our, our podcast Just, is called Two Dollar Late Fee, so we've got. <laughs> oh, you guys know all about it, yeah. okay? So, um, um, and it, so it wasn't looking great. So I didn't really want to put it on YouTube or do anything else with. I, I have it. Um, I shot the movie in sixteen millimeter, sixteen millimeter uh, film, and uh, we blew it up to thirty five millimeter. Looked spectacular on a big screen. Did you know sound effects, music, everything? Um, but uh, uh, VHS just downgraded it so much that I didn't mm. want to put that on YouTube and have that be the only version of it that people could see. Yeah. So um, about a year ago, um, I had the opportunity to um, uh, digitize it in 2K. Uh, at a, one of the really good labs here in LA called Photochem. So I made a 2K uh, digital version of it. And that's what we're putting up there. And it looks really good. Uh, the 2K version looks really good. The sound is really good. So uh, we're going to be premiering it. I think March 2nd, we're going to have it. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to see that one. Okay. Right? So it's a little, a little hidden gem from the early 80s. Just an interesting relic from that period just because of the the cast you know because we got frank dukes and it really led to the creation of blood sport because i was hanging out with frank a lot back then and um and he's telling me all these tales about the the, the kumite and showed me the article in black belt magazine uh a kumite a learning experience so the editor of black belt was endorsing his story at the time right and um then when I was editing the film, I was editing it at um, uh, probably the most low budget uh, post-production facility in town. It was called Movie Tech. And um, next door to me, there was a guy named Ruben Mazzini who was cutting uh, porno movies, okay, <laughs> for Mark DeSalle. Yeah, yeah. And Excellent. so I, t I told Ruben, yeah, so I'm a screenwriter and uh, hey, this is my little movie here. And, uh, and he came in and he looked at the movie and I think right around that time, I had gotten hired by Stallone to co-write Rambo 3. You know, so, uh, so he says, uh, well, i got to introduce you to this producer friend of mine. And um, so Mark DeSalle invited me to lunch. So I, went, I had lunch with Mark DeSalle. And he told me he was considering um, making a martial arts movie. Um, what he said to me was, movie genres run in cycles and there hasn't been a, a good martial arts movie for a while you know there were some chuck norris movies and michael dudikoff movies there uh, a, a little further back but there hasn't been a martial arts movie um there's different uh you know there's, there's science fiction there's war movies there's all kinds of genres so, uh martial arts is missing right now so i've got an idea for a martial arts movie and i want to talk to you about writing it and the movie is called kickboxer so he pitched Kickboxer to me, and this was an early version of Kickboxer, and, and I didn't, um, I really didn't like the premise all that much. And I said, "Well, look, Mark, if you want to do a martial arts movie, um, I got an idea. It's not written down yet, but it's called Bloodsport." Well, wow, he uh, he, he just lit up immediately. Like that's a great title. Yeah. And well, it's um, 
It's about this uh, secret underground uh, martial arts tournament, which is no holds barred. And I know this guy named Frank Dukes, who claims that he was a participant and who claims that he actually won. He won the heavyweight title for the Kumite. Um, and um, I can introduce you to this guy. He lives right here in L.A. Uh, he's, a, he's a friend of mine. So I set up a meeting with uh, Mark DeSalle and Frank Dukes. Frank repeated the story about the Kumite and yeah, I'm the world champion and I got a trophy and all this. Um, and Mark's liking this and I'm liking this. And so Mark hired me to write the screenplay for Bloodsport. And he basically, he paid Frank for the rights to his true life story. Okay? <laughs> That's a quote. Well, yeah, quote. Yeah. But basically yeah. Frank was saying, hey, this is all true. Yeah. And uh, if yeah. you got the editor of Black Belt Magazine endorsing this back then, <sighs> there was no internet back then. Right. So I couldn't just do a quick search to see, you know, is this guy full of shit? Was it really a Kumite? No, there's no way to check it out. Um, so we bought into it. Basically, what I'm what I'm leading up to is that all of this um, came about because of working on this little movie, Firefight. That's how I met Mark, and I was working with Frank, and so the and and uh, you know then we we also gave a break to a few um, actors who went on to do uh, lots of other stuff. Um, Frank knew uh, Philip Ree and Simon Ree, and so they're in the movie playing Viet Cong. It's this Vietnam movie, wow. and uh, yeah, and there's even like there's a nice little fight between Frank Dukes and Simon Ree battling. And Frank's got a like an entrenching tool, a little shovel in his hand, and he's going after <laughs> Simon Ree. Oh man, uh, it's a cool little movie. It's got action. It's got music. Um, a lot of people like, um, you, you know, the movie Cyborg, right? Of course, yeah. There's a lot of folks out there that really love the music for Cyborg. And the same guy wrote the score for uh, Firefight. His oh, name yeah. Is Kevin Bassinson. Um, we replaced the original composer. Uh, uh, Albert Pune had used a different composer who wrote music that was just kind of kind of science fiction-y, kind of weird. And just didn't suit a Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie. And so I brought Kevin in, and Kevin wrote a really kick-ass score that he did on um, all on synth synthesizers. Uh, and people are fans of that score. I, I read about it on you know Facebook and on some Van Damme fan sites. Uh, people just love that score. Anyway, he did Firefight for me also. Well, that's one of the highlights of Cyborg, in my opinion, is the score. So It is, yeah. Yeah, Kevin did a great job. And, and he really didn't go on to doing much afterwards, oh, which is a shame because yeah. he was very talented. Yeah. Um, and the way I met him, uh, he was the housemate of Alan J. Glickman, who's the, the writer who I wrote uh, Ruskies with. So Alan and I wrote Ruskies. Yep. Okay. Another early 80s masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Love Ruskies. I love that. You do? Really? Oh, yeah. great, great. You, you've seen it. Then. Of course. I okay. have it on DVD. You, you own it, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, really? No VHS act? No, but oh. it's not available on DVD or Blu-ray. But if you look deep enough on oh, the internet, you can find it's illegal. sites that make... You have an illegal copy. <laughs> Sorry, Sheldon. No, actually, it's available now. Um, oh. The latest version that I've seen, I look. if you look it up on, um, uh, on Amazon... Um, Maybe it's the foreign version of Amazon that's got it. I think it's, yeah, it's not the U.S. version. Okay. Go to Amazon.de, which is the German version, and they've got Joaquin Phoenix's face basically dominating 
the Covenant. Oh, of wow. That was I his bet. first. That was his first leading role. He was uh he went by the name Leaf Phoenix yes. at the time. Yep. He was in a handful of movies as Leaf, like Parenthood for, Parenthood. for example was yep. another one. Yep. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. He was just a very talented kid from the, the outset. But who could have predicted he'd be a, an Oscar winner? Did you? Although I wouldn't have been surprised. No, no, absolutely not. We just knew he was good, but we had no idea that he would really go the distance and win you know best actor oscar so that, that uh, film has a really nice cast peter billingsley's in it whip hubley obviously from uh top gun and he's actually whip's been in a bunch of great movies right right and um uh the singer carol king is in it yeah it also has a guy named voyo gorick and voyo uh i used in lionheart and voyo's also in rambo uh, he's in the second rambo movie first blood part two playing uh, one of the Russians. And he's got a fight with Stallone on the helicopter that's in flight. And uh, yeah, they got a brutal fight. Apparently Voyo, Voyo, oh yeah, we used Voyo again in um, Lionheart. Voyo is one of the two legionnaires that's chasing after Van Damme. So he's in Ruskies also. Nice. Playing one of the Russians. So uh, a lot of, a lot of yeah, connecting a lot of dots there. That's so amazing. Did you, um, did you do firefight as a short to make it be a calling card to get more directing was that the idea as opposed to a feature it started out um i co-authored a play called tracers uh which is uh, about the vietnam war and um the the story uh, firefight was one scene in tracers one short scene uh uh you know, part of a, a number of scenes that dealt with various aspects of the war it was too big to put on the stage because uh, it had helicopters, it had battle scenes, mm -hmm. it really needed all that stuff. And so the director decided, okay, we're we're not going to use this one. So you can have it, you can do whatever you want with it. And I really liked that scene. I thought um, I thought it had some great possibilities, and I just I wanted to I wanted people to see it and hear it. So I just decided this is after I went to American Film Institute, so I knew a little bit about directing and cinematography and all of that. Um, nice. So uh, um, I just wanted to tell the story, but I also thought, yeah, it would be a good little calling card for me if I wanted to direct uh, uh, direct a movie. And it was a calling, good calling card for the actors also, like Frank Dukes. That's uh, he he thought he was movie star material at the time, and sure so <laughs> yeah. So I said, hey Frank, you want to be in? Let's let's do this little movie, and I'll put you in one of the lead roles. So that's uh, how I got Frank Dukes in there. And Brian Thompson, it was his very first movie role ever. Um, we had an advertisement, and uh, there was this newspaper uh, that would come out once a week uh, uh, that would have casting calls in it. Like backstage uh, or? Yeah, something like that. I forgot the name of it now. Uh, well, read the book. It's in there. Okay. It's in the book. <laughs> Will do. It is in the book. Uh, I don't want to give away too much details. Yeah, don't give away right, Zach, right, right, what the right. casting. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if, they, if they hear it all here, they're not going to buy the book. Right. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, let's we'll we'll be judicious in what we say. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Brian saw an ad and um, uh, he came in and auditioned, and uh, I picked him for the movie, and he's really good. And the next thing I know, um, uh, he's telling me, uh, yeah, I got cast in this uh, science fiction movie uh it's uh called the terminator mm, yeah. and uh uh 
this, the director really, really seems to have his shit together. Uh, uh, very competent, very smart guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, he's one of the, I think he's the Terminator's very first, uh, very first victim. He is along with uh, Bill Paxton, I believe. Yeah. 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 Basically the Terminator reaches into his chest and pulls out his heart. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. That's Brian. And then Brian got cast in, um, uh, Cobra. Yep. Yes. Um, so, uh, one of the creepiest yeah. villains of all time. Oh, in my gosh. One of the creepiest. I had night terrors right. because of him. Right. He's called the night stalker or the night something. Yep. Uh, and he gets dispatched by Stallone on a, a meat hook. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Brian's been dispatched by every major action star. Um, by the way, know. great impression of him. That was very uh, spot on. And uh, I was going to say he, he was in a movie called Miracle Mile that came out in yes. the 80s. And he has a right. He definitely goes against type in Miracle Mile. Um, and if anyone's interested, it's a, it's a really great performance by him in a, in a quirky, fun cult, cult movie. Right, right. I don't think I've seen Miracle Mile, but I heard about it. I know he plays, um, in, in one of the movies, maybe he plays like a, a like a, a, a transvestite serial killer or something. Yeah, not in Miracle uh, Mile, but yes. No, I'm not mm. looking, but yeah, Brian's gone many different directions. And he's in, <laughs> he's in Three Amigos. Uh, well, you had him in uh, Lionheart as well. Yeah, Lionheart and uh, The Order. I made a movie in right. Israel called The Order with Van Damme, and Brian's in that. And uh, uh, I used him in a movie called Perfect Target, which we shot in Mexico. So Yes, with uh, uh, Daniel... Uh, Daniel Bernhardt. Yes. Yeah. And we had, we had Robert England was in that yeah, one, Yeah, Robert too. England, yeah. Right, right. So uh, that's a very obscure one. That's uh, It's very hard to get a hold of. What Interesting detail about that... Um, my fight choreographer was Chad Stahelski, and Chad has gone on to direct oh. all the John Wick movies. We just okay. talked about him with um, Patrick, David Patrick Kelly. David Leach was there as a stuntman. It was David Leach's very first movie that he ever worked on. Chad brought him along. So we had Chad and David both working on that movie. That's pretty awesome. And David Leach, of course, you know, big time director now, just did Bullet Train. David's gotten to be huge. And David was... Um, I worked with David on The Order, this movie I made in Israel with Van Damme, and David was Jean-Claude's stunt double. Next to Jean-Claude Van Damme, you are are kind of the face of Bloodsport in many ways, as far as uh, the presence on social media and whatnot. When people talk right. about Bloodsport, they say Sheldon Ledich, you know, right. has, had, had such a huge hand in this. And reading your book, I was really fascinated by that because... I'm more naive to the business than Dustin and I are both voice actors and we've been in the business uh, for a while, but I'm more naive to it than he is. And, and it always fascinates me when um, someone comes in to write a screenplay or the story editor or someone does polishing on a script. All of that is foreign to me. So you had such a you were very hands on with making sure this movie kind of came out to begin with right because the uh the canon was not too high on it at first oh right right yeah yeah i talk about that at length in the book um uh, menachem golan was the guy who ran the company it was golan and globus his, his cousin uh yarm globus the go-go boys the, the go-go boys absolutely the bad news jews <laughs> yes. that's, that's them also. i like that one even better that's perfect um so um, 
they had made a movie with Leon Isaac Kennedy. Yes, Penitentiary. Penitentiary, right. So they had made Penitentiary 2 with Leon. And Ernie um, uh, Ernie Hudson in an early role, by the way. Oh, is Ernie in that? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and that was, uh, um, yeah, and then Leon did um, Lone Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris and David Carradine. And um, he wanted to do a sequel to Lone Wolf McQuaid. So um, he hired me to write what would be a sequel to Lone Wolf McQuaid. We called it Strikers Force. And um, uh, he couldn't get Chuck interested mm. in doing a sequel. So we just, so now we had a different uh, title. We had Strikers Force. And Leon, uh, I introduced him to Van Damme early on, before Bloodsport came out, before Van Damme became a big deal at all. And they hit it off really well. And uh, I, I said to Leon, hey, what if we do Strikers Force with Van Damme instead of Chuck Norris? Like the, the two of you have both got deals at Canon Films because uh, Leon had done, a, you know, he'd done Penitentiary 2 with them. And I think he had a, a deal for another movie. And Jean-Claude had shot Bloodsport, but it wasn't out yet. Uh, but he had a three-picture deal with Menachem also. So um, uh, it just made sense. Hey, let's take this into Menachem and get this movie made with uh, you and Jean-Claude Van Damme. So... Um, uh, we took that to Canon Films. Now, Menachem saw my little film, Firefight. So it really, Firefight oh. really did a lot to get me my first few directing deals. Sure In fact, like it. Yeah, like with Lionheart. Um, Jean-Claude wanted me to direct Lionheart. I'd written the script. Um, and the, this producer, Sunil Shaw, wanted to use Eric Carson, who had directed... Um, uh, a couple of other movies. I think he directed uh, uh, The Good Guys Wear Black and uh, Angel Town with uh, Olivier Gruner. Um, so he wanted Eric to direct the film. He didn't feel comfortable with me because I'd not directed a feature yet. Mm. John Claude begged him and said, look, take a look at Sheldon's movie, Firefight. Well, that convinced Sunil. So that's how I ended up directing uh, Lionheart. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, that's how we also convinced Menachem that I could direct this movie, Strikers Force. So anyways, we go into Menachem's office to have a meeting about this. And he says, uh, look, I want to make the movie. I like the script. I like you, Leon. I like Sheldon. Uh, Van Damme? No, we're not using Van Damme. Uh, well, Menachem, you've got a three-picture deal with him. No. Van Damme, Menachem's word for him was poison. He's poison. He's never going to be a movie star. <laughs> So he wanted me to make the movie with uh, Michael Dudikoff. Um, who was a who, big star at the time. Who was. And that's what Menachem said. Michael Dudikoff is a movie star. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quoting him verbatim. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, anyways, uh, Menachem didn't like Bloodsport. And the first cut of Bloodsport really was not good. Uh, it, it had a lot of problems. Uh they had an editor at Canon who came in and restructured the movie and fixed the whole movie up and really made it made it work. Um, but uh, uh, Van Damme, no, we're not using Van Damme. And he, he didn't even want to release Bloodsport in theaters. Uh, part of the discussion that day was, uh, we're, no, we're going straight to video with Bloodsport. Wow. And this is back in, 
we're talking like early 80s like n- nothing went straight to video unless it was a total piece of shit right and Anakam <laughs> felt was quite terrible poison um so um i i told him uh to his face okay uh, uh their their big film that year was going to be missing in action three it was braddock, braddock. missing in action three yeah so basically they were trying to emulate what had been done with rambo yeah you know so uh, instead of just missing in action three we're going to call it braddock missing action three and that's going to be our that's our big movie and i said menachem if you release blood sport in theaters it's going to make more money than missing in action three no and doubt said, ah, you're dreaming my friend okay <laughs> and it did okay it actually did when they finally opened it what what they decided to do was that Sammy Hadida in France convinced Menachem that he needs to do something with this movie. Sammy had released No Retreat, No Surrender in France. Sammy was a French distributor. And mm. um, uh, it was under the title Karate Tiger. Yep. He right. did really well with it. And um, so Sammy had heard about Bloodsport uh, and he heard that Menachem wanted to go straight to video with it. And Sammy tells Menachem, look, if you're going to go straight to video, sell me the movie. I will release it in theaters in France. Okay. So this started Menachem and Yoram thinking that, well, maybe we need to take Mm. a chance on this movie. Right. And so they opened it up on the West coast of the, of the United States. They opened it in California, Oregon, and Washington, just as a test to see how, how it did. And it did really well. So then they, they went nationwide with it. And uh, and it, it did well nationwide. And so they suddenly realized, hey, we we got a star here on our hands with this Van Damme guy. And uh, we've got the special edition. Um, there's a special edition Blu-ray of Bloodsport coming out, I think, in um, April. So that's going to be really cool. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of special features on it. Uh, um, uh, they have an interview with Jean-Claude. They have an interview with me and uh, um, quite a few other uh, nice features that I've heard about. I haven't seen them yet. So uh, yeah, so finally, people have been asking for a Bloodsport uh, Blu-ray. Breaking you know? news. Yeah. Uh, it's coming out in Germany first. It's uh, going to be Region B in Germany. Okay. Um but uh, uh, some they made a a, a 4K uh, transfer, and uh, I'm sure it's going to look awesome. And uh, uh, yeah, so uh, in uh, I think April is when it comes out. But even so, you guys might talk about it ahead of time on your March martial arts uh, week or month. Martial arts sure madness. Will. <laughs> madness. Martial arts madness. Okay. So they ended up fulfilling the other obligations that John Claude had, because they weren't, they were just going to throw the contract away. And then they decided, okay, since Bloodsport did well, all right, let's give them a couple more chances. So they did Cyborg and they did uh, Death Warrant. And they did well with those also. They did, but Cyborg um, could have been a kiss of death for Van Damme. <clears throat> yes, yes. If you, uh, I, I have a whole chapter. You do. Uh, in my book called Saving Cyborg. Mm. And I don't know if I, I guess this is this is a story I won't repeat here because it's a long story. But basically, you can read about it in the book. That movie was uh, uh, the, the original cut, <laughs> Albert Pune's cut. And I have nothing against Albert Pune. No. He's, he's a good director. But 
uh, Cyborg was a mess. It was just a complete mess. Yeah. And um, they um, they did a test screening. Jean-Claude was in Thailand finishing up uh, Kickboxer. And um, I'd heard through the grapevine at Cannon, because I was hanging out at Cannon a lot back then, uh, that they were doing a test screening. So I'm talking to Jean-Claude in Thailand. Hey, Jean-Claude, they're going to do a test screening of Cyborg. Oh, you got to get in there. You got to sneak in. Tell me how it is. Oh, okay, no. so I did that. I had no problem getting in because they they all knew me there. And there were 100 people that they recruited off the street, I guess. And uh, oh, boy. watching the movie. And you start getting little bits and pieces of laughter here and there. Yeah. Um, and it's not a comedy, to be clear. It's not a comedy. <laughs> they shouldn't right. be laughing. It's post yeah, right. Drama. Uh, it's supposed to be this. It's this, you know, bloody uh, futuristic action movie. You yeah. know, sort of in the vein of Mad Max and Road Warrior. Uh, and people are, and the laughter keeps increasing. And finally, when we get to the final fight, the big final showdown between Jean Claude and Fender, you know, the the villain. Yes. It was played by uh, a, a a surfing champion from Hawaii named Vince Klein. Yeah, he's in Point Break. Uh, Right, right. Well, the audience was—they were in hysterics. It was—they were. It was. It was like we were watching some Eddie Murphy movie. Or something. They yeah. were in hysterics. Yeah. Oh, um, and um, um, and then they hand out the survey cards after the movie's oh. over. People fill out the oh, survey cards. And out of a hundred people that were there, there was one person who liked the movie, and everybody else disliked the movie. Oh. I realized, oh shit, this is a, a disaster. Yeah, um, and they already had the movie booked into theaters. They already had posters. The posters were made, uh, and I called Jean Claude and I said, uh, uh, "Dude, you got to get back here right away." And he just <laughs> finished shooting Kickboxer, and he was going to take a break in, uh, I think, Phuket. Anyways, he was going to he was going to chill out for a few days, and I told him. You've got to get on a plane right away. You got to come back There's here. No you got chilling. to come here. Uh, look, don't take my word for it. Uh, but there was only one person in the audience that liked the movie. People were laughing at the final fight. Uh, this is not good. He got on the next plane out. Yeah. Ne next day, he's back in LA, goes right to Canon Films and says, uh, uh, I want to see the movie. And they, um, they put it up on a, a flatbed, a flatbed editing machine. And he uh, watched the movie. And when he came out, uh, I, w I did not sit in there with him to watch it again. When he came out, his, his face was white. white. And uh, he just went right to Menachem and Yoram and said, guys, you can't release this movie. You've got to give me this. I'm going to recut the movie myself. Um, and um, I was wow. giving away the whole chapter, but it's okay. It's better when you No, hear no, it. no, because it's <laughs> much. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, the Cliff Notes version. More right, time. right, yeah. So, um, um, Canon was a notoriously cheap company. No, John, yeah, yeah, you've heard the rumors. <laughs> yeah. right? uh, he, um, he convinced them, he said, Guys, I'm going to pay for it myself, okay? <laughs> but they, they, um, they said, Okay, we'll give you, we'll give you a couple months to recut the movie. Mm. And the movie, this is, we're not talking digital back then, no. this is on. 35 millimeter film every splice is held together with a tape. piece of tape okay yeah. so um we got a few editors uh, uh so we had two editing rooms i was in one john was in the other 
uh, I took all the all the dialogue stuff, uh, and Jean Claude took all the action stuff, and we recut. We um, we we came up with new dialogue. Uh, I had to. Uh, wow. uh, I went in and I, I I did ADR with the actors and um, uh, replaced mo- almost every line in the movie. Oh my god! Every and line. We, we cut it so that uh, if Jean Claude's on camera saying something. We would cut. We would use the over-the-shoulder shot instead, so that we could slip dialogue sure. into his mouth without without it being out of sync. Um, and then I realized what the big problem was with the villain: why um, the audience was laughing. He's this big, scary-looking dude, but he had kind of a, a kind of a high, infeminate voice. Okay, which just sounded ridiculous um, for such an imposing that- character. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that was getting the audience laughing because the voice <laughs> and the visage and the voice did not match no. at all. Not for what the movie was intended to be. So um, uh, we ended up hiring an actor named Branscombe Richmond. People have heard, you know who Branscombe oh, is? Oh, we know Branscombe. Okay. Yeah, we do. Well, he, you know, he's got the voice that you need. For yeah, the brother. Okay, so we got Branscombe to redo every line, every grunt, every oh effort. God. Uh, and it worked great. Okay, <laughs> you guys, have, you've seen Cyborg, of course. And it you you wouldn't think that there's somebody else revoicing him, but no. we completely revoiced Vince Klein with Branscombe Richmond. Um, and that had a lot to do with making the movie work better. So uh, anyways, that's the whole... That's, that's hilarious. That's most of the stories, more details in the book but john claude and i pretty much came we rode into the rescue um and then and then albert used um some weird spacey sci-fi music yeah film in fact they didn't have time to change the posters that's what you don't see kevin bassinson's name on the posters because posters were already made canon was gonna wasn't gonna pay to redo them so um Somebody else gets the credit, but Kevin Bassinson, who did Firefight, did the entire score of Cyborg and did it very quickly on a synthesizer. And I'm just, I thought the score was terrific, but I'm just surprised how, you know, 30, 30, 35 years later, 40 years later, people love that score. Uh, they think it scores awesome. So they do, and in that in that film has a very strong cult following. Um, right. I, I think you know Dustin and I on our show, we try to find the silver linings in some of these films that maybe don't hit all of the marks as they should. I think Cyborg and rest in peace to Albert Pune, who has had a, a tremendous career uh, doing science oh. fiction, horror, and all Shot, sorts of genre films. Everything, everything about the way he directed the film was terrific, but it's just the way that it was put together yeah. because he had a different vision. It was, it, it, it was Jean-Claude Van Damme and he was uh, he was a rising star, a rising action star, but this movie was I, I believe Albert was calling it like a rock and roll opera. Yes. Okay. Oh. Um, and no, that's not oh. going to. It's Jean Claude's career, nor is it going to be a successful action movie. Oh, so the man. music was rock and roll opera music, and so uh, I completely re- replaced it with uh, uh, with Kevin Bassinson's score, and that makes a big difference with those action scenes. The score in films always, I feel, makes a huge 
Uh, actually, yeah. that's a that's a piece to our show is is we talk about the soundtracks to these movies as well and how important they are. We've had people like Vince DiCola on our show and 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 um, and talking about music scores and the importance of them. Bloodsport in particular has a tremendously fantastic score. Only the Strong, that which you directed, has a great right, soundtrack right. and and very timely for for when it. Uh, 1993, which we're talking right. about, what, 30 years later, right? And right. Uh, it's very interesting that people, I think, often overlook the importance of a score or a soundtrack because it can really deflate the energy from a film. Right. Now, I never do. I, I always, I, I, I'm always right on top of the music. And actually, for Only the Strong, you're talking about the score being great, but actually the score was not very good. Uh, it was written, the producers got um, a jazz drummer named Harvey Mason to uh, do the score. And Harvey had never scored a movie before. He was a jazz drummer for a group called Foreplay. And just coincidentally, because we just had the Grammy Awards, his his son, Harvey Mason Jr., is like the president of the of ASCAP <laughs> oh, now. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, oh. yeah. Harvey Mason Jr., I just saw his picture in the paper today. Um but um, the score was not good. Okay, what's what was great was the songs. The songs, yes. Fa-na-na-wee. Fa-na-na-wee. Yeah, right, right. Fa-na-na. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yes. It became the trademark song for <laughs> Mazda. <laughs> Uh, That's right. Oh my gosh. The all new 220 horsepower Mazda 6. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. And um, wow. um, So that's what people remember. But I really really had to enhance and downplay the score because the score was not good. Uh, And uh, Harvey hasn't scored a movie since then he's basically he's a great drummer great jazz drummer but he's not a film composer yeah um and so i basically jumped into that one with both feet and i i I told the producers i told harvey um this is not working for me uh and um, when we got into the editing room uh i did a lot of work with that score i basically took took uh, uh something from this piece and something from that piece and put them together and if you listen to it um the score itself is not great it's just the mute the songs are fantastic yes um but um uh but not the score and we mm. even had to bring in somebody new to do the the final fight uh and the final fight's a that's a big deal in an action movie like this and the score was yeah. it, it, harvey wrote was just terrible and um we couldn't get we couldn't get him rehired to redo it that, they, uh, we found somebody else who redid the whole thing on synthesizers. And if you listen to it, you'll hear it. Yeah. So all synthesizer, but it works. Yeah. It, we, we got it to work. Um, and um, uh, the movie would have been even better like if I would have had Kevin Bassinson do the score for it. Okay. This, I'm not talking about the songs. I'm talking about the score. The score, yeah. But Kevin really got it. He understood how to write music for an action film. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, when people say they, uh, hey, the music was great and only the strong, they're talking about the song. Yeah, and, and quite often that 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 can be the the factor that makes the film better 
is is a certain yeah. song you know again going back to blood sport there's a marriage of score and songs which is what right. makes it so great um but only no. the strong was quite was that your last kind of interaction with frank dukes as far as working with him yeah actually we ended up uh i don't want to get into a bunch of controversy here but we yeah. ended up having to send frank home yeah oh. okay. you can read about it in the book a little bit you can read about it in the book, but he was not he was not being helpful at all. He knew nothing about Capoeira, even though he claimed that he did. Yeah, oh, my God. And oh my uh, God. Mark DeCoscos uh, finally came to me and said, hey, Sheldon, you know, Frank's just not helping helping me at all. In fact, um, uh, um, he, he's making it harder to do these scenes. And really, Frank did not. The only action scene that he was involved with, uh, that where he was really hands-on, was the chop shop scene. Yes. I actually put him in that. He's actually he's the guy with the welding helmet on, uh, <laughs> and uh, and he yeah, there's a few cool moves there. But that was mostly um, that was mostly gags with that was like typical action movie stuff, yes. you know, with you know the chainsaw and all this kind of stuff. And Mark picks up a pole, he uses the pole, but the um, the capoeira stuff, uh, Frank was no help with that at all. But fortunately, Mark had been studying capoeira with a real. Brazilian capoeira maestre named Amen Santos. Right. We had Amen on the film the entire time, and Amen was very helpful with those scenes because he knew he knew the moves. So the 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 fight scenes in that movie, I, quite honestly, it's Amen um, and our stunt co uh, coordinator Artie Maleshi, who is uh, like the top stunt coordinator in South Florida, uh, Mark Dacascos himself. Yeah. And my co-writer, Luis Esteban, who's a, a, a martial artist, a real martial artist, we got Luis helping also. So we had the writer helping, but Frank was not not much help. So uh, I'm not trying to, to disparage him, no. but quite honestly, uh, I, I had to send him home early because he, he wasn't helping. And uh, he was just getting up uh, and just telling tales of the Kumite and tales of uh, blowing up ammo depots oh in uh, Nicaragua and stuff like that, oh all of which God. was made up. I, I, I feel like we need to get into, at this moment when you realize that Frank Dukes was just totally full of shit, like that must have been crazy, right? Like, cause the, the everybody that hasn't seen Bloodsport, I mean, people that are listening to this, I assume you have, but Jean-Claude Van Damme plays Frank Dukes, it's based on a true story, as you said. When the right. movie ends, there's this this card that comes up with all these stats, uh, like fastest knockout, 3.2 seconds, right. fastest Those punch. Stats, they were in Black Belt Magazine in that Black yes. Belt Magazine article. Yes, right? okay. And Frank was pushing those stats for a while, but those stats were, nobody's ever proven that those stats- Oh my God. It's... Yeah, no, it, there's no proof that Frank ever participated in a competition anywhere. Okay, there's, I never saw him fight. I knew him for a few years. I never saw him fight. I heard him talk about fighting, but I never saw him fight. Yeah. Uh, and um, then uh, lately he's been disparaging uh, Don the Dragon Wilson. Yep, who's a friend and, of the uh, show. Don's the real deal. You've got yes. tons of footage of him fighting people, <laughs> knocking people out. Yeah. And there's all these stats that have been written down. There's nothing like that about Frank. No. And so... Uh, uh, a, a few months back, I guess Don was doing an interview somewhere and he said, uh, look, all this, you know, Frank Duke's claiming he's had 300 fights and he's won 300 fights. It's nonsense. OK, 300 fights. That's a lot of fights. I've had 75 fi real fights myself. OK, yeah. I'm a real champion. I've got proof. 
Frank's got no video of any of these fights. Uh, yeah. So it's just all made up. Uh, he made up all this stuff. Basically, um, he's like, it's like he was Tom Clancy saying, well, I really was in the CIA and I did all of this stuff that I write about in my books. No, Tom Clancy says, I'm an author. I did research. I'm writing these books. Frank could have done the same thing. He, he's got a good imagination, but instead... <sighs> God. He was telling people that he really did this shit, that he really was in the CIA. Uh, he showed me a Medal of Honor. He told me he, he was telling people uh, back then that he was a recipient of the Medal of Honor. Mm. Okay. Um, he shows it to me one day, invites me over to his house. And there it is. There's a Medal of Honor uh, draped over a piece of plexiglass. He goes, oh, that's my Medal of Honor. Well, no. Um, according to the military, he, he, he received no no medals at all because what? he was never in combat oh my god uh, he was making up all this stuff it's called stolen valor nowadays oh, okay yeah. the term didn't exist back then but uh yeah he was making up all these crazy stories about uh, uh vietnam and uh, uh nicaragua and uh, uh yeah basically he was you know he was rambo and james bond uh and um and george and, santos apparently <clears throat> Huh? George yeah. Santos, apparently. Oh, George Santos, yeah. right. Yeah, George Santos has got nothing on Frank Duke. So, <laughs> so uh, it, it, uh, I'm uh, I'm not a bullshitter, so I don't bullshit people. No. I don't make up stories. Look, I was really in Vietnam. Yeah. I got, <laughs> you know, I've got the documentation. I've got photos. You've got the photos to prove it. So, so there it crazy. Is. That's my 19th mm. birthday, actually, wow. when that photo was taken. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Um, and I got to say really quickly, you know, mm -hmm. you guys can, everyone listening can read this in your book. I, I think you do a very balanced way of calling out people for their bullshit, but at right, the same right. time, not throwing them under the bus, which you could have easily done, but I think you do it in a very tasteful way. You're, you're, I only, I insulted one person. Okay. And that was Peter McDonald, uh, who got me who got me kicked off of Legionnaire so that mm. he could take my place. Mm. And I talk about it in the book too, because he did the exact same thing to Russell Mulcahy, you know, and Russell's a really good director. Highlander, what, for example. Yeah. yeah. And Russell was the original director of Rambo three. Well, Peter undermined him and got Russell fired. And then he took over Rambo three. He did yeah. a good job on Rambo three. Okay. I won't, dis I won't disparage that, but, um, but he, he's he was in a very underhanded way that uh, uh, was just trying to destroy somebody else's reputation. Hmm. So the only insult in the book is uh, me talking about <sighs> Peter McDonald. I, I didn't I, I didn't think I had to soft pedal uh, my opinion about Peter McDonald. But I'm pretty nice to Frank in the book. You are. <laughs> yeah. You are. Um, Sheldon, I feel like we could talk to you for another 90 minutes, two hours, three hours. Uh, we, we, we could, yeah. Yeah, everybody go out and get Sheldon's book. And Sheldon, thank you for coming on our show. Thank you, Sheldon. You're very welcome. All right, guys. All right, take care. Take care. All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Duke. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. 
Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 